Hello and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you overcome perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon, and I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today, we are going to be talking with Alexandra Franzen. Hey, Janine. Hey, Shannon. How you doing? I'm great. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. I'm especially excited. I'm always excited for every podcast, but I'm really excited for this one. I know, because we are doing our first planned interview with, as I mentioned, Alexandra Franzen. So why don't you share a little bit with our listeners about Alex? Okay, she is amazing. Alex is an amazing writer, and both you and I, Shannon, have had the pleasure of working with her, so it's really exciting to get to talk with her about a new book. She is the author of the novel, So This is the End, A Love Story, which is being, pu- which is being published this month on October 15th by Mango Publishing. Her other projects include You're Going to Survive, 50 Ways to Say You're Awesome, a best-selling question of the day journal for couples called Our Q&A a Day, and a romance novel called Milk and Honey. So not only does she write books, she writes articles. She's written articles for Time, Forbes, Newsweek, Huffington Post, and Lifehacker. She has been mentioned in places like the New York Times Small Business Blog, The Atlantic, USA Today, Stylecaster, She's Buzzfeed, everywhere! And now getting to good <laughs> enough, right? She, um, she also writes a really enjoyable newsletter. I love her newsletter that shares inspiring true stories, writing and creativity tips, positivity, encouragement, and motivation to pursue your goals. It's like a little bit of sunshine in your, in your email inbox. It and is. she, I yeah, that. I love it. She also works as a copywriter and writing coach, helping clients develop podcasts, videos, website, pitches, proposals, books, and other projects. You can read all about her at her website, alexandrafranzen.com. Welcome, Alex. Hey, oh my gosh. It's always so weird to hear like your resume read aloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an impressive one. <laughs> Hey, you know, I tried to gather together the impressive bits, but there's been a lot of sloppy, weird, weird bits along the way, too. <laughs> Ooh, well, maybe we can hear a little bit more about some of those in a, yeah. in a bit. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, well, we are so happy you could be here. And um, I guess a fun way to start would be um, so, you know, we're all about overcoming perfectionism and getting better at good enough, at the idea of good enough. And and we're sort of wondering, Alex, where are you, where do you find yourself on that spectrum? Oof. Um, so I, I, too, am a recovering perfectionist. And yeah. what's interesting that I've noticed about myself is that there are certain areas of my life and work where I feel very competent and very confident and, you know, I, I, I can get to that good enough place very quickly. 
So, for example, uh, you guys mentioned a moment ago, so so lovingly, that I have an email newsletter. So I write a newsletter about once a week or so, and I send it out to my mailing list. I've been doing this for eight or nine years. Um, I'm very comfortable with that type of writing. So it's it's like no big deal. It's just fun, and I can finish a newsletter and send it out and feel good about it um, with 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 a with some ease, you know. Mm-hmm. But right. then when it when it comes to other types of projects, uh, for example, writing fiction, uh, which is kind of a new-ish terrain for me, that is much harder <laughs> to, oh. to, feel, to feel good enough because I'm not as familiar with it. It's not comfortable. It's out of my comfort zone. And so, you know, to give you an example, uh, this novel that you guys mentioned, so this is the end. Um, I mean, I really, I felt almost panicky at first about sharing it publicly because I was so worried, you know, I was worried about big things like what if this just sucks or or what if the message Mm -hmm. doesn't land or what if people don't like it. And then I worried about the little things like what if there's a, I mean, just crazy things, like what if there's a typo, what if there's a page missing from the PDF and I, and I didn't notice, um, you know, I worried about all kinds of things and I, it was, it really took some, some kind of self, self-coaching and self-talking to myself to get to that point where I was like, you know what, it's good enough and, and to just send it out, but it was not easy. So it's interesting how different types of projects and different types of work um, are different in terms of how, how quickly you can get to that good enough place. Do you guys find that as well in your own lives? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting to me, and I don't know that we've ever quite equated it as clearly and beautifully as you just did, Alex, but the idea that when you have confidence in your ability to do something, you're much more likely to uh, be okay with good enough. And when you are more anxious, um, that's when you tend to get more perfectionistic. Yeah, I think that's very true. That's true for me anyway, definitely. Yeah, I agree too. It makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't thought of it that way either. Yeah. No, I yeah, that's just that's such an interesting way because I think I've always thought about the perf- perfectionism as creating the anxiety as opposed to um, the anxiety trying to um, uh, sort of ease the anxiety with perfectionism. Yeah, I think it's it's different for different people, but that's what I find to be true, and I, I think there's something about. Um, repetition too you know if, if you do something over and over and over whether it's like you know organizing someone's home or coaching someone or going to the gym or whatever if it's a regular part of your routine um, I don't know it's somehow it's like if you if you have an off day once in a while you don't have the best workout or you don't have the best yoga practice or whatever um, I think that we tend to be a little more forgiving with ourselves and we go okay well this wasn't the greatest day but you sort of have an, an overall confidence yeah. in what you're doing that helps you to right. bounce back from those little slumps more easily. Right. Whereas if you only do it once a year, it's like so much more loaded and stressful somehow. You know, like if you if you yeah. only write a- 
once a year, <laughs> um, <laughs> we can be a lot harder on ourselves. It's a lot more intense than if you have like a regular writing practice and you're writing and sharing regularly, I think. Yep, I agree. I write a monthly newsletter. I've been writing it for 11 years, I think, now. And now I, I barely think about it when I'm doing it. I mean, obviously, I put thought into it, but there's no stress at all. And it just, yeah. and I press publish a lot with a lot less anxiety than I did five years or ten years ago, without a doubt. Yeah. Ooh, but so can I, I, can, may I ask a question? Because I'm so curious about this. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first started your newsletter, did you feel anxious about hitting send or publish? Like, did, what were some of the thoughts that went through your mind before you would release your newsletter? Oh, I'm sure I did. I would, was worried, like, that my advice was good enough uh, because I was a new organizer. I started it... Um, probably I, I started it a year or two after I started organizing. I wasn't so worried about the writing because I w- came to organizing from te- after 10 years as a freelance writer. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't want any typos. I didn't I wa- I was I think probably mostly afraid of criticism like I was putting out some bad advice or someone thought I was acting like I knew more than I had a right to know or something like that. Um, yeah, I literally yeah. haven't thought about that before, but that's what just spilled out of my mouth. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That kind of yeah. fear of like, you know, that, that someone from, from the internet, some troll uh-huh. is going right. to email you and say like, what gives you the right to tell me how to organize my drawers or, or right. whatever? Like, it's, it's so interesting when we really unravel like, what is it that I'm afraid of? It's usually mm-hmm. something kind of ridiculous. Like, I mean, sure, that might happen, but <laughs> it's right. pretty unlikely. And even if it did, you could survive that because, you know, you know that that's probably just the person who's having a very, very sad week and feels the need to lash out at a lovely organizer sharing helpful tips for free on the Internet. But it is funny, though, how our minds go to those, those places yeah. of all the mm-hmm. horrible things we think might happen if it's not perfect. Right. And well, in publishing a, a novel, to me, is like, um, I don't know, I can totally understand why that would feel riskier, although it's not as though you have to, it has to be fact-based, but it's really putting yourself out there, I think, and... Um, so I, I get why it felt different to you from your your newsletter, um, yeah. but you did a great job of it. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that because I truly was not sure that it was <laughs> that it was um, that it was any good. I, I worried that you know, as a writer, I think you you have this vision in your mind of what you want the finished book to feel like, or or the message that you that you hope is going to come across to your reader, but you never really know because reading is such a personal thing and, you know, your message might land really strongly with one person, but then your message might not resonate with another person and then another person just might not like your writing style in general. And so it's really, it can, you can really get your head twisted into knots uh, over like, how do you even know if your book is good enough? Like, good enough for whom? Um, right. So, and th- those are some <laughs> those are the kinds of questions that would send my brain into tornadoes of, of despair <laughs> at, you know, right. at, at 2 a.m. as I was putting the finishing touches on the book, because you can, you can wonder about those things forever. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you do just have to click 
publish or send or save or, you know, at a certain point, you just have to decide, I think it's done. And that, that's a hard thing. It can be a hard thing to do. Well, and especially, I imagine, because the, the, this book was, was born as a self-published novel to begin with, and now it's being published by Mango Publishing. Um, like, you know, if you're working with a publisher, they're going to have a deadline. There may be some flexibility to that. But if you're self-publishing, there's really no deadline. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've, I've done both now. I've, I've done several self-published projects, and I've done several projects with traditional book publishers. And, yeah, when you're self-publishing, you know, you don't have an editor who's reading it and saying, you know, fix this part, change that, I don't understand this, this part's great, the way that you do when you're working with a publisher. Um, mm-hmm. When you're working with a publisher, an editor is going to give you feedback. The design team is going to, you know, do the interior layout and the cover. And at a certain point, the publisher is going to say, okay, this, this book is ready. Um, mm-hmm. So you sort of have this, like, external validation of other people saying, we believe in this, this is good enough, this is ready. Um, but, yeah, when you're doing it on your own, sure, you can hire an editor, you know, et cetera, to help you. But you have to make the final call of the cover design's ready, the story's ready, I believe this is ready. And it's, yeah, that, that, can, be, that can be intense. It's almost like we need to come up with our own personal set of criteria where you can say, this is my personal criteria for whether the project is ready or not. And mm-hmm. if I've met this criteria, then I'm just going to make myself release it <laughs> and stop <Right>. spreading <laughs> about it. And so, like, one of my personal pieces of criteria is when I'm really feeling anxious, I'll ask myself, do I feel confident that this project is going to help at least one human being to have a slightly better day. So in other words, do I feel like this will help even just one person? And I can usually answer that question by saying yes. You know, I, I believe that this book is going to resonate with someone, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and, and that's good enough, you know, it has to be good enough. Yeah, I can say it definitely resonated with me. So your work here is done. Yay! <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> but, but seriously, it's like we sometimes we have to kind of make these make up those kinds of criteria mm-hmm. for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll just be spinning in that is it ready? I don't know. Is it ready? I don't know. Place indefinitely. Um, it's like there's a friend of mine, uh, Susan, who is a coach. She's a life coach. And she has some clients who struggle with perfectionism as well. And, and sometimes when they're saying, like, oh, it's not ready, it's not done, it's not ready, it's not done, she'll ask them, like, well, what does done mean? Or what does ready mean specifically to you? And she'll kind of make them break down the criteria that in their mind must be met in order for this to be ready. And I, I think that's a really powerful thing to do because it gets you out of that anxious spinning place and into, like, a checklist, essentially, of, you know, the manuscript is 40,000 words. It's gone through a proofreading cycle. I feel confident it will help at least one person. Okay, it's done. Yep. <laughs> like, I've, I've, yep. I've met the criteria. That's so 
smart to do and especially to do it uh, ahead of time and we talk a lot about you know sort of knowing your priorities knowing what you value and I think this is an even more um, focused version of that to to know how you know it's going to be done how do you know it's good enough yeah I think I think we have to do this with all kinds of projects not just books um, because it's, it's empowering. It's a way of like taking the power back into your own hands and, and saying, you know, I'm deciding what the criteria is going to be. I decide what done means. And once I've met that criteria that I've established for myself, criteria that's hopefully like sane and reasonable, <laughs> mm-hmm. then, then I know that this for me is good enough. And right. yeah, it's a simple thing. And I, I agree. I think that doing that, you know, at the beginning of a project, at the outset of a project is such a smart thing to do uh, to alleviate anxiety and, and insecurity later down the line, for sure. Yeah. Oh, hey, Alex, why don't you tell us a little about the premise of your book? It's such an intriguing book. I want everyone who hears this to run out and buy it. You're so sweet. Yeah, so the premise of the book is, the, the central question of the book is, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you want to do with your time? What would your priorities be? You know, who would you want to spend time with? What would you say to those people? What are the experiences you'd want to have if it was your last chance, your last day on Earth? So that's the central question of the book. and. The story is set a little bit in the future, and in this future world, which is very similar to our world today, just a little bit in the future, there's a new medical procedure where if you die, you can actually be revived. You can be resuscitated, brought back to life, but the effects only last for about 24 hours. So you're, you're back, you're alive but you know the clock is counting down and you know this is your this is your bonus round essentially you get this one extra day one bonus day to make amends or say goodbye or do whatever it is that you want to do before your life is over and so the book is a is a 24 hour 24 chapter book that follows this one woman um, as she navigates this final day, knowing that it is her last day. And it's a love story. She ends up falling in love on the last day of her life. And I won't spoil the rest after that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like getting all (laughs) teary-eyed. It's a a powerful question. It's a question that, I mean, it makes me cry just thinking about it. Like, it's it's one of those questions that I think we need to, we need to always be asking ourselves because we, we all get, we all fall asleep, right? We all get into these routines and habits and we allow our calendars to be filled up with things that we don't especially want to be doing and, and the days go by and the weeks go by and, it's like sometimes we almost need to be jolted awake by the reality that this is it. And, you know, are, are the hours in your day really being filled with things that are meaningful to you? And if not, let's, let's course correct right now um, while there's time. 
that's what I'm, I'm hoping people will think about after reading this book. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant, uh, it's, a, it's an important idea, and the, the story that, that you built around that idea is brilliant, I think. It's just uh, very enjoyable. Thank you so much. And I, I want to emphasize, like, when I, was <laughs> when I was getting ready to release this book the first time, um, I mean, I remember sitting at my computer. I had loaded the PDF to my website. I was about to send out the newsletter to announce that people could download it. And I was so anxious that the writing wasn't strong enough, that people wouldn't get it, that the sex scenes were too graphic, that my mom would be ashamed of me. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, had, I, had so, I had so many what-if anxieties, um, so much so that I decided not to put it on Amazon and really not to put it, not to make a big deal about it, in other words. Like, I, I wanted to release it, but I wanted to do it very quietly um, because I was scared that it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And it, it took, it actually took well over a year um, as I started to get a little bit of positive feedback coming in, you know, emails from people who had read the book and really enjoyed it. It took, a, it was a gradual process before I decided, you know what, my confidence has grown. Um, I can see that the story is connecting with some people. Um, and now I think I'm ready to take it to the next level. And now I'm ready to, you know, try to find a publisher who will release it in a, in a wider way. But it, it really, I mean, I'm serious. It was a year or two of taking little baby steps forward uh, before I felt confident enough to, to bring this book into the world in a bigger way. It started as a very tiny, very quiet little project. I was scared. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm so glad you kept with it. And it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that helps bolster confidence is this outside, um, you know, getting uh, comments from the outside. But if you, if you don't tell anyone about it, you can't get that. Right. I know. It's, it's a tricky thing, too, and I'd actually be so curious to hear from you guys about this. Like, it's great to get external validation. Like, it's, of course, it's great when you get the positive email from a client or from a friend or from a blog reader who says, I love what you created, or I listen to your podcast every week, and it's awesome. Like, it's always great to get that external feedback, and it can definitely bolster your confidence. At the same time, we can't become overly reliant on external validation. Right. We have to also know just kind of in what I call your hut, which is like your heart and your gut, you have to feel in your hut that it's good enough and that, you know, and that you are enough, even without any external validation. So, like, I'm curious from you guys, how do you find that balance or what, what helps you to stay somewhere balanced between those two things, if that makes sense? Well, I think it's sort of interesting with this podcast in particular because um, we started it as just sort of a fun little thing to do together. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't really have any uh, 
any inclination that, you know, it would go much beyond, you know, a circle of friends, a small circle of clients, you know, a few people would listen to it. But I, I wanted to talk about these things with Janine. I wanted to share this and I wanted to have fun. And, and so I think that had we not been getting the external validation we've been getting, we still would be doing it as long as we were having fun and, and felt like we were having interesting, useful conversations. Right. Um, that was our promise to one another that we would keep, we would stop doing it when it stopped being fun. When, and it would, I guess the rest of the promise was that we would keep doing it while it continued to be fun. And it's been a right. lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah. we weren't, yeah, we didn't expect the external validation, but that's been very motivating as well. Ooh, I love that. It, it reminds me of something a friend said to me years ago. It's like, hopefully when you're, as you move through your life, your cup is already full, meaning you're already having fun. You're already happy. Mm-hmm. You're already enjoying yourself. And if you happen to get, you know, an award or a trophy or a fan mail or, you know, a positive feedback externally, it's like, whoa, like now your cup's overflowing. Mm. How, what a great bonus, but your cup was already full to begin with. Um, and I, I think that's, it's such a simple, like, visual metaphor, but mm-hmm. it's so important. And it's something that I think we forget, um, you know, all the time. That, you know, hopefully, as you're doing a project, a podcast, a book, whatever, you're already beginning, you're creating from a full cup rather than creating from an empty cup and then hoping that external, you know, iTunes reviews are going to fill that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about that in terms of my coaching practice. And um, while it's nice to get feedback of any kind, I think of it more as sort of helping me maybe course correct as opposed to being the reason I do it. Like I have to feel inside that I'm doing a good job and the work I do is worthwhile and and helpful to people and that it's making a difference. Um, And then, you know, whatever feedback I get is like, oh, hey, more of this, less of that, or, you know, whatever making it sort of helps me fine tune things yeah. as opposed to um, being the reason that I'm doing it. Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking about it. You sort of have that inner confidence. You know that you're, you, you are confident in your abilities and then the feedback is just the refinement or just the overflow of the, of the full cup. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, well, I had a question for you about going from your self-published version to the working with the publisher. What was that like? I'm assuming you had to make some changes. You had someone else sort of dictating what was good enough. Yeah, you know, it was, I will be honest, it, it was a surprisingly easy process. At least that part of the process was easy. But mm-hmm. I think that the hardest part for me was, just, first of all, finishing writing the book, <laughs> um, <laughs> then getting over the initial kind of emotional hurdle of releasing the book in a self-published format. That was like the biggest hurdle to get over. Um, then the emotional hurdle of, you know, 
finding a publisher and, and arranging that deal, but then the, making the actual final tweaks on the book to get it ready for the re-release, it actually wasn't too hard. And I think the main reason was there wasn't a ton I had to do. Uh, I decided to rewrite a couple of scenes. Um, and it was actually a pretty fun process. I, I remember it felt was kind of like like decluttering in a way, actually. I, I uh -huh. kind of stripped some things down. Um, so that, that part was fun for me. And then the really fun part was my, my publisher wanted me to add some book club discussion questions to the back of the book. Uh, and that was really fun because I, I got to like, imagine, oh my gosh, what if someone actually reads this book at their book club? And I got all excited about <laughs> that. So, so that was fun to add. And then they also asked me to add um, kind of like a little, almost like a letter at the end just talking a little bit about the, the inspiration behind the book. So there was really just a couple of very small pieces to add. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't, that particular part of it wasn't emotionally difficult. Um, what's interesting though now, as we're getting very close to when this book is going to be released in hardcover and Kindle and on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all the big sites, is I'm noticing that same feeling of anxiety that I felt the first time around when it was self-published of what if there's a typo, what if there's a page missing, what if there's a, just like all of these kind of little teensy fears are coming up again. Um, and it, I'm having to kind of just tell myself, you know, all the work has been done, the mm -hmm. proofreading has been done, you know, have, have some faith um, that this is ready. And, and it's it's interesting how those those anxieties can sometimes just circle back again and again and again at, at different points in the process. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I'm 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 doing it. I'm having faith. <laughs> yeah, it's yep. happening. I and mean, it's already been printed. It's it's happening whether I like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, the train has left the well, station. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so there, there literally is nothing you could do about it now. Yeah, and and even if there was a problem like that, like how how much does that really matter? You know, and that is the thing that I always forget to remind myself is like, yeah, you know, so what if there's a typo? So what if there's a page missing? Books are printed all the time with errors and issues, and what and what happens? They print a new batch and they fix it the second time around and they give refunds to certain customers and they send them a new book and it's like it's not the end of the world but for and I but for some reason <laughs> I think <laughs> our brains feel like it's the end of the world <laughs> right and we forget right. to take a step back and go you know what it's okay <laughs> it's a book it's not yeah. a rocket launch you know there's there's no lives at stake <laughs> right. here <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing, this has never occurred to me before, but if there were a typo or a page missing or something like that, that actually has nothing to do with you. That's on the publisher. Yep, that's true. Yeah, so it's, it is, it's funny, though, how I'm, I'm going to be giggling about this the rest of the day because so many times I think about the smallest little error, like a typo, and my brain makes it into this massive problem when in fact 
it's not a huge problem. It's not even my responsibility at this stage. Yeah. And yet yeah. it can be so hard to just let it go sometimes. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's true. <laughs> well, and you know, this is your baby and you want your yeah. baby to be perfect. <laughs> Matching socks and hat and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a vague recollection of some author who had like a note at the back of the book that said something like if you find any errors or typos or anything you know email them to this address and I'll give you a special gift Aww, and like turned so it into a little bit of a contest yeah that's <laughs> yeah. actually you know? a delightful idea I love that and um I I've done stuff like that occasionally with my newsletter where sometimes I'll add a like a ps that says you know, hey, I wrote this really quickly right before I headed out the door to yoga class. If you see a, a typo, sorry, like we're all going to yeah. lose. And, like, and sometimes just having a, a little bit of a sense of humor about it and some levity and, and kind of playing with your reader in that way um, can actually like decrease my stress levels about it. So yeah, yeah, I love that idea of including a little note in the back and and making it into kind of like a treasure hunt. Find the typo, get a prize. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, one of my books, I've written, um, I guess, seven nonfiction books, and one of them uh, was translated into a language I actually don't know what it is. Uh, I knew at one point. I think it's Romanian. Anyway, I can read enough of it to see that it says in the bio that Janine Adams is from St. Louis, Minnesota. And, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't care at all. That just makes me laugh. Like if, if the, uh, people in Romania don't know where St. Louis is, it's probably not a problem. Right. <laughs> and these things are out of our control. There's probably a lot of Americans who think that St. Louis is part of Minnesota. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Hey, it's, you know, it's in the, the general area, sort of. That's right. <laughs> right. That's great. Well, so we've been talking a lot about like how you deal with this, but I know you work with a lot of clients over the years, including Janine and I, and I'm curious, when do you see perfectionism get in the way with them? Oh like, my gosh. How much does that come up? Yeah, constantly, constantly. And I, I think it's because um, I tend to, when I, when I work with clients, a lot of my clients are business owners of some kind or another. They, you know, they run a, a small business, they run a medium-sized business, they run a yoga studio, they run a fitness company, they run a clothing line, they run a coaching or consulting practice. And these are people who, they love what they do, they want to do a good job, meaning that they really want to impact their customers and clients' lives. Like, they want to make a difference. And so, which is a beautiful mission, but bundled up with that can sometimes be a lot of, a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of self-imposed pressure to be excellent, to be, you know, on fire, to deliver the best possible service. So I, I find that a lot of my clients are, are a lot like me, honestly, in that they, they really love what they do and they have a lot of passion and creativity and heart as well as some self-criticism and some pressure. Um, one of the, the, the most common <laughs> things that I see come up from time to time is uh, around websites. I, I see people just really like obsessing about their website, you know, kind of 
analyzing and reanalyzing every single sentence on their website. Should this be italic? Should this be bold? Is it okay if I say this? Should this go on that page? Does this have too many bullet points? Da, 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 da. And just really like spending just what feels like thousands of hours <laughs> kind of yeah. obsessing <laughs> and feeling like it's not ready yet. And I, I, I have people come to me where they've been kind of fiddling with the, the language on their website, you know, for a year, and they still haven't launched the damn site, you know, it, it's mm, still oh kind of parked there, because they feel like, for whatever reason, it's not ready. Um, and so, and that can really hold you back in business, of course. Um, and it's not just websites, it's, it's all kinds of things, it's programs, it's podcasts, it's blogs, it's books, it's, you know, systems, processes, it's, it's all kinds of things. But the website, for some reason, is, is one that I see people really getting held up on. Um, I think it's because it, it feels like there's so much uh, weight that it's carrying, you know. It's, it's the first thing that, that a potential client or customer is going to see, so it's, it's got to make that great first impression, and then people get really right. stressed about that, like, oh, my God, you, my shoes don't match my jewelry, and I don't have the right pair, and blah. <laughs> um, so it's... That's one. And, and really, the, the advice that I, I give to my clients is, is the same advice that I need to hear all the time, which is kind of like we talked about earlier. You know, what does good enough mean to you? Um, what is the criteria that needs to be reached in order for you to feel like this website is good enough? Um, and, and let's keep it simple. You know, do you have a nice, up-to-date headshot of yourself on the site? Great. Do you have, you know, a couple of sentences that explain what it is that you do? Great. You know, do you have some type of, of clear contact page or, or way for a client to get in touch with you? Great. Like, do we have the basic elements in place? And if yeah. so, like, can you just trust that that's enough for now and that it's, it's going to be so much better for you, for your income, and for the people you're trying to reach and help, if you can just get this thing out there, and you can always refine more later. You know, you can you can update again in six months or a year or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like sometimes just getting it, hitting publish and just getting it up. That first push to get it up there can be the hardest part for a lot of people. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. I, I, especially in terms of websites, because it is easy to um, get caught up in, in wanting it to be perfect. And, yeah. yeah. you know, it's not you, it's a website, so it can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have, like, website anxiety these days, or are you pretty pretty chill about your website at this point? <laughs> I'm pretty chill about my website. I have a couple of them, and and uh, but I had my share of anxieties over the years through them. And Shannon, you have a relatively new website. I do, and um, I I feel pretty good about it. And I didn't um, get caught up in uh, that perfectionism I which you know historically I would have and I you know I I procrastinated on plenty of websites or uh, you know content updates or whatever wanting to get it perfect and and fretting about how to convey what it is I do and blah 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 but I, I have to say I think Alex that you sort of um, really got me through that working with you the first time 
really helped me like get to the point where like let's do this and live with it for a while and then make changes yeah totally yeah it's I think that feeling of let's just do this like let's just yeah. get it up there um, is so important because it kind of it releases you in a way it gets the momentum going um, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, and then maybe you get some positive feedback. Maybe then your cup starts to overflow. Maybe you get the client who signs up who, you know, wouldn't have found you any other way. Or you get, you know, a lovely email from someone saying, oh, I love your new design or whatever. And then and then that can start to bolster your confidence even more. But, yeah, just getting it up there, that's the thing. And it, sometimes we have to be kind of ridiculous. Like, you might need to invite a friend over and, like, pop a bottle of champagne and have your friend like hover behind you <laughs> saying, click the button, click it, click it, click it. And then <laughs> and kind of like cheerleading you over that over that hurdle so that you're not doing that all by yourself, all alone in your home office, you know, with the with the curtains drawn and no lights on inside. So it's like whatever it takes to just get you to publish the thing. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's like a, a friend or a coach or whatever, like just give that to yourself so that you can do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if either of you have ever used the service MailChimp, mm-hmm. but when you get ready to um, send out your email, like a broadcast email to everyone on your email list, um, when you get ready to send it and there the send button comes up, there's also the monkey, the chimp, like sitting there with beads of sweat coming off of his forehead (laughs) waiting for you to press the send button (laughs) and it's just by like acknowledging that it's a stressful moment like it eases the stress that is so cute i love that yeah it's really cute (laughs) they're cute with the monkeys (laughs) you mentioned at the very beginning that there were areas where you um feel more confident and you do things and we've talked a lot about writing but what other areas in your life do you feel like you're good with good enough oh that's a great question um i would say i feel good enough when it comes to my kind of like self-care and mental physical health Um, Mm -hmm. I used to be, especially a long time ago, like when I was a teenager, I used to be much more perfectionistic and and really to a very unhealthy degree, especially about fitness and my body. But as the years have gone on, um, gosh, my 30s have been really fun in terms of of being good enough. And it's little things and it's big things too, like... I mean, I spent so many years as a teenager feeling like just, you know, obsessing about the stupidest things, like are my are my legs, you know, toned enough to wear these shorts or whatever. And these days, I'm out in shorts like every day, flopping around, having a great time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing how, you know, with, with time and work and age and, and all that, like, you just don't care anymore about some of the things that you used to, to be so preoccupied with. Um, so that's oh gosh, I remember crying nice. over bad hair days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And now it's like I can walk out of the house and be like, "Oh, whoops! I think I forgot to brush my hair today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to reach a point where you're like, um, you know, look, like I, I love to work out, I love to practice yoga, 
Um, you know, I, I like to look cute. I like to dye my hair weird colors and do eyeliner and, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, like, I'm also okay running outside in, like, sweaty gym clothes with my hair in a giant matted ball and just, like, doing errands. And it's, it's, it's all good, you know. There's not... There's no anxiety level about, oh, what if someone sees me or, like, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. So that's that's a nice change that has happened, you know, over the last 15 years, really, since I was a teenager. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's ongoing, you know. There's definitely still moments where I think, like most women, I'll have a, a moment of, like, body criticism or or whatever but the i'm noticing that those moments are are fewer and fewer and that i'm able to be to kind of like bounce back from them faster than i used to when i was younger you guys find that as well I don't even remember my teens. So they were so long ago. <laughs> long ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's part of the wonderful, it's one of the nice things about getting older is, is losing the, the sort of self-consciousness. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you just want to be happy. And I've also noticed that I've, I've lost, in a good way, some of my competitiveness, like, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, and I'd go to a dance class or even a yoga class, which is not supposed to be a competition, and I, <laughs> and I was, like, obsessed with being, you know, the best in the class, and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to sort of impress my teacher, and I wanted to get my leg higher in the air than everyone else, and, and I, I, I was just very driven to kind of prove myself and, and, and be, be praised, and nowadays, I don't care I don't, like I just want to feel just, I'm just there to feel good and like I really could care less what the person on the yoga mat next to me is doing and and so that's a nice change too and and one that is so so much nicer for my mental health <laughs> yeah well yeah. it's so freeing like when you get to just pay attention to you know like in yoga class doing the pose in the way that feels best to you yeah and not worrying about even if it's right necessarily but that totally. you know you're doing the the pose the best way for you yeah absolutely it's so nice i i'm enjoying you know growing older and noticing how a, a lot of the, the tension and preoccupation of my younger years it really does start to dissipate over time um which is awesome i am very happy about that mm, great yeah more good enough in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. It's been just such a delight to talk to you. And um, I'm so excited for your book to come out so I could tell everybody to buy it. Aw, thanks. Hey, I have a yeah. one final super quick question for each of you. Oh, yeah. So if you had... 24 hours oh god what is what is just one thing that you would absolutely want to do in that final day Hmm. the thing that jumped into my mind was is take a, a very nice long walk with my husband and my poodle oh that sounds beautiful 
that's not too far from the first thing that popped into my mind, which was to um, I to like take a walk along um, maybe at the o- at the ocean, you know, along the beach as the sun is setting on one of those beautiful, mm. you know, brilliant sunset nights. I love that. I think I would go I would go to the beach and I would swim in the ocean. I'd want to be in the water for at least a little bit and hopefully see a mm. dolphin or a sea turtle. <laughs> oh my god, that well now you can do that. It would be easy cuz you're there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. I I love asking that question. It's always interesting what people say and I hope that you can both do those things for real at some point this week or so. Oh, I thought you meant in, on our last day, and, yeah. and then you said this week, and that was. No, I, I hope that your last day is not for a very long time, but I hope that you, you, can, you can do those things as just part of your regular life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and so having recently finished the book, it did make me really think about... Um, Uh, wanting to experience those moments even if I can't be at the beach with my husband you know watching the most beautiful sunset um, I can you know enjoy when he comes home from work and like have that moment as opposed to like hey we need to do this we need you know and like get caught up in the everyday Mm -hmm. stuff so I I do anticipate more of those moments yeah that's beautiful yeah taking those sweet little moments to just be alive and like put down mm-hmm. put down the phone, put down the laptop, put down the to-do list and just be with someone that you love or, or do something that you love. That's what it's all about, right? And it can be a yep. small, small, small moment. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for being such an inspiration and, and chatting with us today, Alex. Thank you so much for chatting with me. It was such a fun conversation, and and you gave me some great things to think about as I continue to wrestle with my inner perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope that uh, good enough gets easier for you. Thank you. That's really great. I hope so, too. Thank you. Thanks. And so that wraps it up for this episode of Getting to Good Enough. Janine, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Any? No, I just want to say that was really fun. And I'm so delighted that Alex took the time to talk with us. She had so many great things to say. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I know. It was really awesome. I'm going to look forward to editing this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Just to re-listen to it. Um, so if our listeners have any questions or feedback or want to share with us how they might spend their uh, last 24 hours, and we can pass that on to Alex, you can leave us a voicemail at, uh, I almost said 503, <laughs> at 413-424-GTGE, that's 4843. And um, you can also find us on our website at gettingtogoodenough.com. And for now, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope good enough is getting easier for you. (music) 